0: to another episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here inside Circa in Las Vegas for the Circa Million and Circa Survivor contests, which, by the way, uh, you have until September 9th to visit Las Vegas and sign up for these contests, and uh, it's worth it. It's worth it. It was a very easy flight for Minnesota. And I have been having a great time since I got here to Las Vegas. And uh, joining me, though, back from Minnesota, which I understand is a lot cooler than it was yesterday, uh, is Will Raggetts, of course, of Sports Illustrated for our little weekly get together. And, uh, Will, I missed practice today. The, this is only the second practice that I've ever missed. Both have come this year, so I barely know the team now that I, I've missed these two practices. My understanding, though, is that uh, it was not that intense today. It ended early, so nothing uh, was missed by me that's going to change my opinion on our conversation about what they're going to do with this roster, right?
1: No, not nothing too crazy was missed. There actually was you use the word intense there was a one moment we didn't have any on Wednesday of like some trash talking and getting up in people's faces when uh some Cardinals defensive tackle tackled Alexander Madison all the way to the ground and the offensive line did not like that and got in his face but I don't think it ever escalated to like even any shoving much less a punch being thrown uh but yeah it just it was a practice where it kind of confirmed a lot of the things that we saw on Wednesday and a lot of things we've seen throughout camp like K.J. Osborne wasn't there for some unspecified reason. So just keep that in mind. I have no idea if that's serious or not. We probably won't hear from Kevin O'Connell about that until next week. But Jordan Addison was the number two wide receiver playing every single rep with the first-team offense. And guess what? He's really good. He's still really good. He's been really good all camp. And Byron Murphy had another interception against his former team. Uh, Josh Patelis was good. We saw a lot of Ivan Pace. Uh, We saw all three linebackers uh, mix in with the ones. Pace, Asamoah was back out there um picks as well and then mckay blackman was doing some team stuff so just nothing crazy but uh you know anything you you thought coming in is probably probably showed up today
0: well what do you make of the uh the mixture of linebackers because in the walkthrough the other day we also saw that but then asamoah didn't practice um with the 11 on 11s when i was there yesterday so now that he's uh back. It seems like they want to have some mixture or combination of those guys. Do you think that that's how it plays out when the season comes? And I ask because I've got a little milkshake bet with uh, Andrew Kramer about who the starting linebacker on the first play is going to be other than Jordan Hicks. I've got Ivan pace. He's got Brian Asamoa. Uh, I I don't think it's a bad idea at all. If they mix and match these guys with the way that pace has developed as fast as he has or I guess that, you know, just emerged on the scene so quickly and picked up this defense that that's like bonus money. But I don't, I never thought that that mean that that meant that Asamoah is just out of the picture entirely.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I thought for a while that, hey, is just hurt. Like Pace is getting this run now, but it's still going to be number 33 out there. And then the longer he stayed out and the more I watched Ivan Pace and the more impressed I was, I was like, okay, maybe not. So Really early on today, it was Pace and Hicks. And then we saw some Asuma and Hicks. And then late in practice, there was a period where Hicks was on the sideline and it was the two young guys out there flying around. So I think you need Hicks because the size and the experience, he brings a little bit of a different play style and and, and body type. And and that helps against the run and that helps in in a variety of ways. Like I don't think you could get through a whole season having two really undersized linebackers. But it it's a fun idea that... In certain packages, I don't know if this would be a third down thing, if this would be a blitz heavy thing or what it would be that Brian Flores could say, all right, Ivan Pace, Brian Asma, you're both going out there, fly to the ball, make some plays because those guys are both just heat seeking missiles when they're able to diagnose what's happening in front of them. So I think all three guys play week one. As for who will be out there on that very first snap to, uh, to w- settle a milkshake bet, I'm not sure right now. Hey, it matters but a I, lot, but I I'm think I, w- go, uh, I think if I had to guess, I would, I would, I would lean Ivan Pace actually.
0: I'm going to leave I- Ivan Pace as well. And uh, I also think it's probably the most important thing of the entire off is, you know, how that goes. Um, the, the other one that's out there still, and is going to take the entire season to resolve is Jordan Addison versus KJ Osborne. I guess if I were grading Jordan Addison's training camp, will I would probably give him an A and I'm not going to downgrade somebody because they missed a few practices out of uh, precaution that, you know, he he had a concussion. So that's not going to like take away from his grade for me. But I would say really from day two, on like the first day Naylor was taking more reps than him. And we're like, Oh, okay. It's kind of interesting. They're going to make him earn it a little bit. And then after that, you know, Naylor was out for such a long period of time. And it seems like Addison is just very much uh, in the competition with KJ Osborne for who could have more receptions and walking away from it. I feel like Addison has shown everything that he could do that you drafted him for, which is really all you can ask for out of someone's camp. We can't guarantee what they're going to be, but, What you want to see is what they were touted as and like just to use the opposite example. There are some 2022 draft picks that were presented certain ways by draft analysts and the team that we didn't see that at all. And Addison has checked off all those boxes.
1: Yeah. Every every single box, everything you heard about him coming out of college, everything the Vikings talked up in their post draft press conference that has played out. So to me, uh, you're right that that's kind of a, a good segue because that those are two positions inside linebacker and wide receiver where yes, the Vikings are are probably going to have to make a depth chart decision where who's the number two guy here, but to have multiple guys who can be in that role and, and who can, you can use interchangeably and simultaneously and, and in a variety of different ways. Like that's a really good thing for Brian Flores on defense with those linebackers and for Kevin O'Connell on offense you can use KJ Osborne in certain situations. If maybe you're leaning run more out of that set, you can use uh, Jordan Addison. If it's going to be more, I need somebody to beat single coverage. Like I, to me, it's, it's the same thing where I think the rookie just, I feel a little bit better about their long-term prospects, whether it's pace or, or Addison, like just with what I've seen from training camp and how consistent they've been, that's maybe who I would pick to be the number two, but KJ Osborne isn't going to go away like he's going to be a really important part of this offense all year run blocking um, playing out of the slot doing all these different things so Jordan Addison's been great he had a play today in one-on-ones where he just went up and mossed uh, a Cardinals defensive back which is not something you see all the time from guys who are his size so that was pretty impressive he was all over the place during team uh, on Wednesday so yeah he's just he's lived up to every every bit of the hype so far
0: uh, Sarah asks, will Jordan Edison be wide receiver two by week one? I, I just think, Will, that at this moment, and this is another point to be made, that will his body hold up for a whole season? I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, I have concerns about that, but how can we predict that? I mean, there are receivers in the league. I, the guy he was compared to was Tyler Lockett that learn how to protect themselves. And he's going to have to not play with reckless abandon. He's going to have to play with, some abandon in order to make sure that he stays healthy and blocking is tough for those guys and random freak things happen. So I don't know. Irv Smith had somebody fall on him last year and was like injury prone. Like, I mean, I don't know. Someone just fell on him. What was he supposed to do? So things happen. Uh, But to the question of whether he's wide receiver too, he has earned targets in this offense. He's earned lots of reps in this offense, but, figuring out who's wide receiver two and three. I just don't think that actual football works that way. I think actual football works as every single play in this offense is designed to go to Justin Jefferson and whoever's the second option depends on what the defense is doing. And so if the defense is doing more to stop him on a particular day than Osborne, then Osborne will have more catches. And if they're doing more to stop Osborne, then he will have more catches or maybe Hawkinson will have more catches, or maybe Josh Oliver. Like, I don't know. It really depends on who is the next man down based on how the defense is matching up against you. And every single week, you're going to see some sort of new plan by every team against Justin Jefferson. So, that to me is what it comes down to. I think that they could both be looked at as, at this moment, as receivers 2A and 2B. It just depends on who they want in when there's two tight ends or a fullback.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think Kevin O'Connell just having all of these tools in his arsenal to deploy in various ways. It's just the puzzle. It's the chess match of what are you doing defensively? How can we beat that? How can we adjust in game to adapt to whatever we're seeing defensively and get to what we want to get to and be multiple and all these things that they talk about? And, and to do that, you want to have a bunch of different guys. And so I don't know who will be technically the wide receiver too, but I agree with you. They're both going to play a ton. They're both going to be involved. I think Addison has more of the, the long-term future. I mean, KJ Osborne's going into a contract year. KJ Osborne also, we have no idea. I mean, he missed today's practice. I, we have no idea if that could be a one-week or two-week thing suddenly, and then Jordan Addison is obviously the wide receiver too. Maybe it's just a one-day one day thing, and he's back out there next week. But Yeah, it's going to be really game plan dependent, defense dependent, all of these things. Jalen Naylor, I think, can factor in. Brandon Powell, like they just they have a lot of weapons in the wide receiver room, in the tight end room as well to deploy against defenses. And I think that's a really good thing for Kevin O'Connell.
0: So uh, Mateo says, Addison is a twig who was hurt in college. Are we surprised he has already been hurt? Well, I mean, he hasn't really. Uh, It was just one day where he fell wrong, uh, which can happen to anybody. And he missed OTAs in minicamp, which I'm not too concerned about since he's been in for almost every single practice. What did he miss? Two practices through the entire training camp? I think it's something that you have, you can't discount when someone is that size. But also, I don't know that history says that just being small equals, you get hurt all the time at that position. Uh, there's been small receivers in the NFL that play long careers. There's a, you know your Julian Edelman's or your, you know, Taylor Gabriel was a, probably the smallest receiver I think I've ever seen. Andrew Hawkins played in the league for a while. Like, it's, I, I don't know. I think what my point about Irv Smith Jr. was he had no history of being injured and then had to happen two years in a row. And then everyone just assumed that he was injury prone. He might play 10 years in a row without any injury. That's, that was the Kyle Rudolph story early in his career. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's fair to bring up the size, but it's not a predictor. And also how hurt was he in college? I mean, I think he missed a couple games, but he played the whole 2021 and won the Blitnikoff award. So he was healthy enough for that, uh, that season. So I, I don't know. I, I just wouldn't put like one time getting banged up in training camp and say, I'm really, really worried about that. Um, I also think that when a guy is in the slot and can play underneath that, that does uh, protect him. But rookies do get hurt because they put their bodies through a lot. Uh, let's talk about the big picture though, of this training camp. Cause now it's over. I mean, wow, what what a journey, right? We just go out there every day and then, uh, you know, sweat and get sunburned and uh, we write our stories and everything else and there's all sorts of things that happen and rumors about Trey Lance and, you know, th- whatever. It's always a wild ride. And now that it's over and the roller coaster has come all the way to the end, uh, how would you grade the entire training camp start to finish for the Minnesota Vikings?
1: I think it has to be, at least in like the B range. Cause I think, I mean, we've talked about this in previous weeks, like a lot of the things that they went into it, wanting to see they saw, and that was Jordan Addison having an excellent first training camp, Makai Blackman uh, rising up the depth chart and surpassing kind of clearing the Juwan Williams bar to become a starter. Um, Byron Murphy has looked every bit the part as their number one cornerback, Josh Metellus and all of the versatility of Brian Flores' defense. I mean, this a huge story of this training camp was just how flustered the Vikings offense, like pre-joint practices, was getting going against Brian Flores' defense every day. And all of the different looks that they can give you and the the depth and, and versatility they have at linebacker and they have at safety. And even today there were there were more times where I, I've been talking about the two linebackers thing where it was just one linebacker out there and they're in dime. They've got three cornerbacks, three safeties, Josh Metellus' is Lining up on the line of scrimmage, like he's going to blitz, and then dropping back into coverage, and just just all these things they can do. I think the development of Brian Flores, not only his scheme but his philosophy and kind of, uh, to, I don't, it's an overused word, but kind of just a culture of defense. I think that went really well. I think dive and pace thing is a big story. I mean, there's certain things where I'd be hesitant to maybe give it an A. Like I don't know that some guys flash in the way they wanted to Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth, the top top two guys in, in last year's draft who we've talked a ton about it, it really, they didn't kind of take the steps that you might've wanted to see about Nick Mullins. Um, he had kind of another poor day today against the Cardinals and just the second team offense, like some of the depth there hasn't really stepped up the way you'd want to, but, but that's kind of nitpicking. Like it, it, we, we already knew that if Kirk cousins misses any time and you have to play Nick Mullins, Uh, it's probably not going to go super well, but I would give it a B. I'd probably give it a B plus just because I think top to bottom, both phases. I mean, even Greg Joseph and and the special team side, Najee Thompson emerging in the preseason. Like it's just, it seems to me like things have gone pretty well. I don't know how much that means. I mean, it's, you'd rather have that than have injuries piling up and and guys struggling to play well that you counted on to play well, but. I'm giving them a B plus, but I, I will say, take that with a grain of salt. That does not suddenly mean that they're going to go win 12 games. Although I still did. I still predicted them to win 11. And, and as we discussed earlier, I'm, I'm still sticking to it until proven otherwise.
0: Folks, there is no crazier time in my schedule than the fall season. And let me tell you, it is tough to find myself a good and healthy meal. But that is why I have Factor. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit that can help me fuel up with chef prepared dietitian dietician-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to my door. Give it a try. It'll save you time, you'll eat well, and you'll stay on track with a healthy lifestyle. Trust me, this is an issue with the number of drive throughs I have to go through with my schedule. If you're too busy like me, with Factor, you can skip the extra drive through or even just skip the trip to the grocery store. You don't have to chop and prep and clean and all those things that take time. Factor's fresh but never frozen meal are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is just heat and enjoy. And you can refresh your healthy habits without missing a beat by choosing from 34 weekly flavor-packed dietitian approved meals that are, again, ready to eat in just two minutes. That is so helpful. I can't even tell you. The options are crazy. The number of different ways that you can customize this just to you. If you're looking to be calorie conscious, they've got that too. Try delicious, calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Head to factormeals.com slash purple50 And use the code PURPLE50 to get 50% off. That's code PURPLE50 at factormeals.com slash PURPLE50 to get 50% off. So it's funny, I'm in a weird position because in previous seasons and training camps, I could be described as maybe a little bit uh, curmudgeon-y about where it was all going. Because a lot of times, uh, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of times I would walk out of camp being like, I don't know. It doesn't look any better than it was last year. And, th- and then every year it would be kind of the same thing. I mean, 2020, the training camp, you couldn't really tell because it was a very short camp. So short that, you know, they couldn't even get Justin Jefferson, like enough reps to feel good about starting him right away. And I, and I don't even blame them for that. That was It was really that short of a training camp and uh, because of COVID and everything. And then you have 2021 where there was the COVID controversy and you just got the sense that the the culture was going to be so bad that they weren't going to be able to overcome anything, even if they had a decent roster. And last year, there were very few questions really to be answered throughout training camp other than can they get the offense down and the offense had great days and bad days, which it did to start the season as well. And I guess I was feeling like, I don't know if they're going to have a great offense uh, throughout training camp this year. I'm walking out feeling like a lot of the biggest questions that I had were answered and I'm trying to avoid looking at the forest through the trees because, or I'm trying to see the forest through the trees because, um, the small things are not good. The 2022 draft class did not step up in any way except for a Caleb Evans who looks, I mean, I think pretty good the way that he's played. But aside from that, uh, all of those articles that we wrote, who are the guys who have the biggest chance to step up in camp and take the biggest leaps forward? And a lot of them did not do it. Uh, I would say one of the biggest disappointments of all of camp is for Three years now, I've been like, this Kenny A Wong-woo guy, man, if he just gets, that, gets the ball, just give him the ball. Well, you can't give him the ball if he's sidelined for all of training camp. Jalen Naylor was one of the more kind of intriguing players, didn't practice through the entire training camp. So things like that. But also, are those the guys who are going to determine the final result? Or is it Jordan Addison, which I think makes a big deal? Is it Brian Flores? I think Brian Flores finding a lot of different ways to use players, uh, even as you mentioned today with Asamoah and Ivan Pace, like that matters. Um, so I come out of it say, and then just major injuries. Is there a single major injury? So I, there isn't. So I come out of it with all that, saying that's all really, really good. But no contract extension for Hawkinson. No contract extension for Jefferson. They kicked the ball down the road again with, or the can, whatever. They kicked something down the road again with Daniil Hunter. So like once again, we'll have, we'll address this in the future if we ever do and not signing him to a long-term extension, but keeping him anyway, those to me would not get super high grades. Um, actually not having Jefferson extended as, as an F uh, you needed to get that done. And, and it's not a completely over yet, but if we count the front office elements, the fact that we're still talking about, well, you need to add this and you need to add that and you need a free agent and you need a, uh, you know, you need to make a trade or whatever to fill out some of these spots. I don't think that that's, that's looking very good. So I think that the players and the coaches that matter for this season did well, but I think from the front office perspective, there's still answer uh, questions to be answered. And there's still some spots where we probably could have figured out by day three or four that were going to be needs that were never addressed. And I kind of don't understand why still. And uh, somebody asked, uh, let me display it on the screen here. Um, Who was it? Sorry, scrolling. This is what you guys get for actually showing up. Um, Patrick was asked about the guard play and it hadn't been very good. And just, are they considering a free agent and there's no way they can feel confident, but we knew that by the first preseason game. So those are the things that I think I would downgrade them for. And I would probably land on a B overall, but it's two separate grades for me. It's like an a over here with the players and coaches and then a C for what I mean, or an incomplete for the front office probably.
1: Yeah, I agree that it's kind of two separate things. And, and you asked me the question. I'm just thinking, like, what am I seeing on the field? And I think that's B+, plus maybe maybe creeping into A-minus territory. But you're right. It, it is strange that the front office has handled this or, or not handled this situation or certain situations the way that they have. It, it's, it's odd to me that Kwesi Adolfo seems just really reluctant to hand out any sort of long-term contract to anybody. And I guess I get it to some extent, like a lot of times those don't go particularly well and you don't get a whole lot of excess value and and you got to figure out the salary cap and he wants to, you know, use his leverage and be patient and and do things like that. But at a certain point, I mean, obviously with Justin Jefferson, like you just want to get that done. Well, if you don't get it done, you wait till next year and he goes out and he does what he's been doing the first three years of his career, which there's no indication that he won't do again like the price is just going to go up. So I don't see how that really helps. And, and then you're, you risk it being awkward where he's going into the potential fifth year option and maybe he feels disrespected that they didn't extend him after his third year or whatever with TJ Hawkinson. I guess I get it to some extent if uh, there was a report that Hawkinson wants a historic contract, that's going to kind of reset the market at, at a tight end and I don't know if he's that kind of guy, but he's in position to do it with his age and with what he did in the second half of last season. So I, I, I guess I get being patient there, but that's another weird thing now where they've spent all off talking up how important TJ Hawkinson is to what they want to do on offense. Kevin O'Connell specifically has, has talked about that a bunch. And now there's this whole situation where he had an ear infection and now he's got back stiffness and I don't know when we're going to see him. And he, he says he's going to be ready for week one, but it's, it's a, it's kind of an odd dynamic. So yeah, it's, it's a strange thing with the front office. I think incomplete is the right way to structure it because they still have time with Jefferson. They still have time with Hawkinson. there's more than two weeks until week one. Like these things can, can kind of go up until right before the season starts. We saw that with like Dalvin cook and Brian O'Neill, I believe it's possible. And, and then I think we were talking about this a little bit, just really briefly before we started recording, like this roster could look, pretty different one week from right now. And remember last year, Kwe Sida Mensa trades for Jalen Rager. He trades for Ross Blacklock. There was a few surprise cuts. There's just always kind of things that you can keep an eye out for where it's not as simple as we're going on Tuesday, we're going from 90 to 53. And then th- out of those 37 cuts, we'll sign 16 to the practice squad. Like, no, you're constantly perusing and you've got a whole scouting department that's looking at preseason tape from every other preseason game in the league. And they're studying the analytics and putting these players into their models and finding players with really fast 10 yard splits in the 40, because that's what this front office seems to love. And there's going to be guys that get cut by other teams that they bring in. There's probably going to be a trade or two if if, uh, Adolfo Mensa's past is any indication. So I would give it incomplete. There's still some veteran free agents out there that they've brought in for visits that they now have um, kind of some good information on Kareem Hunt, Dalton Reisner, like, and a whole bunch of other guys that you could bring in for a visit and see if they fit. So there's still some holes on this roster. I think guard, uh, which was brought up is, is an obvious one. I think cornerback depth and and running back depth and uh, a few other spots, but there's time for this roster to change before week one against Tampa Bay.
0: So uh, Digits brings this up. Is it possible the last administration broke stuff so badly with old players, bad contracts and cap issues that it will take more years to deal with it all? they certainly have still been working their way through it but this offseason was a huge huge step forward in dealing with all of that by moving on from some of those older players and they are going to have a, a good amount of dead cap hit for next year because of it if Kirk Cousins leaves a big portion is his but then you know not the only ones uh, that are going to have some of that dead cap space and then you have some void years mixed in that if you don't keep a Marcus Davenport or whatever if you end up cutting him uh you know th- that I, I don't know how that's going to play out i think Look pretty good, but if you know it doesn't work out, then you're taking on more dead cap and so forth. So they are still working their way through what happened with the previous front office. But in my mind, this was the off season where they became quasi Adolph Mensa's roster. I just think that we might be dealing with a different way of handling things than with the previous regime because with the previous regime, the circumstances were just different. It was you went to the NFC Championship in 2017. Now you are going back. Or you're under pressure every single year, which means, oh, this guy wants a little bit more money or he's going to want out. Uh, okay, we got to give it to him. It means, oh, uh, Daniel Hunter got hurt. We have to make a trade for Yannick Gagakwe. Uh, We're nervous about our kicker and punter. So we got a kicker and a punter. Uh, Irv Smith got hurt. And even though Tyler Conklin was good and we all freaking knew it, they go and get Chris Herndon. Like, I, I don't know. Those were bad things to be that desperate. But now when they're moving at a different pace and they're being more deliberate and maybe a little more discerning, then we're like, Hey, uh, what are you doing? But I think that's justified. I'm not saying you're wrong for feeling that way. You got to figure this out with Justin Jefferson. There's no two ways about this. There might be a Hawkinson debate about 17 plus million, but I also take some of that at a little bit grain of salt because I, I mean, it's pretty clear where it comes from when uh, they're saying, Oh, he wants to reset the tight end market. Like, okay, well, did a team tell you that? Um, You know, I'm sure his agent would say, no, we don't. We want a very reasonable offer. So uh, maybe his agent needs to get into uh, a reporter's ear as well. But the point just being that. Um, you do have to get some of these done. You can't just sort of slow play everything. And I think it hurt them ultimately to slow play Delvin, to slow play zadarius Smith because they didn't have the flexibility to sign some other players. And now we're sitting here going, Ooh, guard, Ooh, like depth, pass rusher, Ooh, corner. Like these are things that if they had moved on from those guys earlier, maybe you could have addressed. And and so there, it's like a double-edged sword to all of that. Uh, I I guess I I, It's a new approach that we're all sort of getting used to. But I thought by this time, at least one of those guys would be signed to an extension. And I also thought if you're bringing in those players uh, for free agent visits, that would be clear upgrades. How long do you want to wait before you're going to pull the trigger? Like, how much more do you need to see out of Ty Chandler or Dwayne McBride to be sure about that? Now, how ready are they going to be to actually play for your team?
1: Yeah, it, you're right that it is it is a different approach. And, and you, you brought up kind of the previous regime and Rick Spielman, where it was, we're going to draft players. And, and Rick Spielman, to his credit, was really consistently pretty good in the draft. So they would draft these players. They would turn into pro bowl caliber players. And then they would reward their own. And they would, Dalvin Cook, Brian O'Neill, Daniil Hunter, Everson Griffin, Stephon, like the list goes on and on. They would reward those guys and give them, Big contracts that weren't like resetting the market at their positions, but were paying them pretty handsomely for what they had accomplished and keeping them around and trying to build continuity and all these things. And then there's another, and some of those didn't age well just at all. I mean, the the Dalvin Cook one stands out the most. There's the other, complete other side of the spectrum of what we've seen so far from Queen of Fomento, which is a real hesitancy to lock into big money commitments for several years. And in even his, his free agency signings, it's been all about flexibility. It's let's give Byron Murphy a two-year deal. Let's give Marcus Davenport a one-year deal. Like even with Z'Darrius Smith, when they first signed him, it was a three-year deal without it's like they, they re and I think Quesi Adolfo has done a good job. If you look at the 2024 salary cap and you look at the 2025 salary cap and like after uh, a few dead cap hits next year, like, there's not a lot there. There's a lot of flexibility here that they've built, but at some point you, you got to like pick a direction and, and, and find some, some key cornerstone guys to keep around that you're going to use that salary cap space that you've created to pay them. And I, I think they're gonna. They, there's no doubt that they want to pay Justin Jefferson and they want to keep him around. Like that's not a, a discussion even it's, it's I guess they're still sticking to kind of the terms that they want to have there, but They're going to try to make that happen eventually the the Hawkinson thing is definitely a debate because of kind of the positional value stuff with tight end and how much are you comfortable giving him? And and you have the leverage of he can play off this year. We could tag him next year for a reasonable price. You'd let him walk and get a comp pick. Like I I get, I get that. But with Darisaz coming down the line, like at some point there's, there's kind of a, happy medium you want to find where you're not handing out five, six year deals to everybody like Rick Spielman was, but you're paying your, your positionally valuable cornerstone guys to keep them around. So you're not suddenly having to look to try to replace them. I don't know how TJ Hawkinson exactly fits into all of that. I think he, in on his, from his perspective, he showed in the second half last year that he was a really important piece of this offense with the blocking and with just kind of being the number two target and taking uh, stuff away from Justin Jefferson and taking advantage when defenses are, are heavily shading towards Justin Jefferson. But like when you have Jordan Addison in the picture now, how, how crucial is Hawkinson to what you want to do? You have Josh Oliver as well, who can, is not nearly the same level of receiver, but he's a better blocker. And uh, so it's, it's all an interesting puzzle. And I'm curious to see over the ne- course of the next year to where Kwe Cidafo kind mm-hmm. of settles in, in terms of how he, views long term roster building
0: you know what's interesting to me is that this is also part of something happening here with players where they are pushing back in ways that we haven't seen as much recently so maybe one a year in the off season it was like Khalil Mack or something is sitting out training camp but for the most part, I don't think you were seeing it all around the league in the aggressive ways that it has happened this off season. So Sarah is asking about trading for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I think it'd be fun as hell, but I mean, if they, you know, you just probably don't have the capital to give up for the future. And it would, I mean, they'd be a great offense if you did. And maybe, maybe there's a small argument to do it. And let me just real quick and I'll get back to the point. The small argument would be, you give yourself a chance to win the Super Bowl if you could be in the top five in offense. And if that guy was the best version of himself, you might be in the top five in offense. That's no, no, I'm not saying I advocate doing that. But the point just being that you have Jonathan Taylor trying to force his way out, Andy Reid saying he's not sure if Chris Jones is going to play. I uh, haven't heard anything about Josh Jacobs. There's been just a lot of these. And now you have TJ Hawkinson with every ailment under the sun. We had, um, yeah, we had a real gout controversy on the show the other day when I made a joke about, like, that's what's coming next. And then I looked up what that is, and that sounds horrible, and I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, uh, but the point is, like, we, we have him skipping camp in a hold-in situation, it appears, uh, over this time. And even Daniel Hunter, who had never fought back this way, even at least pressing back against the team a little bit until he got a lot of cash in his pocket. And I just think it's part of a larger trend with players who in this CBA – have really kind of had it handed to them for the most part by the owners, except unless you're a quarterback and, uh, you know, a handful of superstar players. So a lot of guys who are really good, like Hawkinson, Jacobs, Taylor, but are not Mahomes necessarily. I think they're trying to fight for every dollar they can get for. And and I don't think we can just say, no, you didn't extend them. So you fail uh, to the front office because there's two parties that have to negotiate here.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, it, it's, it's, that's what's tough about the whole conversation with TJ Hockinson is like, you can, you can say, Hey, Kwesi, hurry up and get this done. This guy is an important part of our future. But like, if if they're asking for a certain amount, it's become very clear that Kwesi and and this regime, they're not going to just give in and and give them that. And they're, they're going to, they have kind of their, their plan, their time horizon. and, And here's, here's a number that we can fit you in on. We might meet you in the middle a little bit, but we're, we're, this is our number. This is our range that that we are willing to go to. So, yeah, I I don't I don't know what ends up happening there. I think it's it's entirely possible that nothing happens and Hawkinson goes into the season and he he just plays and and it's it's fine and you figure it out from there. And it's not ideal for TJ Hawkinson certainly, but I think that's that's a, a, a quite a possible outcome of this. Jefferson is is a different thing because I mean he's earned the extension. He's eligible for an extension, but he's not going into a contract year Uh, but man I mean this the future of this team is just so uncertain which which makes it a really exciting time period like this season is gonna look a lot like last season did roster wise there there were some minor tweaks but you look at next offseason and Kirk Cousins is gonna be a free agent and Daniel Hunter is gonna be a free agent and uh, to a lesser degree Marcus Davenport is gonna be a free agent and KJ Osborne and as of right now TJ Hawkinson like there's a lot of, of important parts of this currently constructed 2023 team that are not locked in beyond this season. So that gives them a lot of flexibility and and that can be a good thing or it could turn into a bad thing and, and your roster gets a lot worse next year. I, I don't know how it's going to end up, um, but I don't know. For right now, I'm just looking forward to, to kind of seeing – well, I'm not looking forward to this last preseason game, if I'm being honest, because it's just going to be – a lot of like Jaron Hall and third and fourth stringers, but you know, good opportunity for them. But I'm looking forward to next week and roster cutdown day and the possibility of trades and the possibility of free agent signings and uh, just kind of wheeling and dealing roster movement. And I'm curious how that all comes together this year. And then if we do see before week one any real extensions that start to shape 2024, 2025.
0: Guess what I'm doing for all my road trips. I'm figuring out what other sports games I can go to. And you know, who's giving me a huge hand with this is game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. And game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets. And their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you have. So I could just say, travel to Philadelphia and pull up the GameTime app and figure it out on the fly. Flash deals for last minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for any kind of event. It doesn't just have to be baseball or basketball like what I love. And images are shown of your seats. You get the lowest price guarantee and event cancellation protection. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code INSIDER for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Yeah. I really should have named this podcast something different than previewing the final preseason game, because that is not what we've done at all, nor is it that interesting in comparison to the bigger picture of this team, which I think is one of the most fascinating in the NFL. I, but I guess the way I'm trying to do it is what we asked people to do at the beginning of camp. So we did a podcast and got bit by mosquitoes outside of TCO performance center. Remember, I remember it all too well, as Taylor Swift said, uh, And we talked about how there was going to be patience required here, that this wasn't going to be something that uh, was going to happen likely fast and that could play out way longer than any of us wanted to. But also, like, I think about the way they handled Delvin Cook, where – they waited and waited and waited and waited, and it got really hilarious by the end. And also, by the way, the national reporting on this team has not been good. I mean, it's not been accurate, to be honest. It just hasn't. Like, when there are reports that they're going to trade or they're looking into Daniil Hunter trades, and then the next day they sign him to a big you know, contract uh, for this year and this year only, that's just not accurate. It was, you know, a lot of people reported that they had uh, that they were looking into places to trade Delvin cook where he'd be used best or whatever. And they ended up cutting him. So I don't, I, in some ways, and it's not about the reporters specifically who those people are. It's just been how dialed in or how much is getting leaked that actually ends up playing out the way that it does. And, and I don't know that that's been uh, really the case as much as it was maybe in some previous years. So that's where I don't want to overreact to these things and say like, oh man, I, ca- I just can't believe that you haven't gotten these done. But there also is a part of me that's like, you better make sure you keep these some of these players because you aren't winning anything if you don't have great players on this offense. Even if you you know the next quarterback, um, there we are so early in the Jefferson process, but you really don't want what happened to uh, or with San Francisco and Nick Bosa, where it's sitting out training camp, and then you never know where it goes from there. So that that's been I think as interesting as anything that has happened on the field. And uh, Jordan asked, do we think that Hawkinson is betting on himself? I don't think so. I think what Hawkinson is doing is that he's looking at how he performed last year as a Viking, projecting that out, saying if you guys are going to throw to me 125 times and I'm going to catch 90 passes, I want to get paid 17 plus million dollars like guys who who have those types of numbers. And I think they're saying, uh, how about 15 million and they are are not able to close that gap. That's kind of how I look at this, but we also need to keep in mind as of right now, they can tag him, and he's on the team for next year. So there's a lot of things that are at play here. But I do want to ask about the preseason game, not because I think it's going to be good or exciting or interesting, but I wonder about if there's anybody on the field that you think it matters for. Like, who does it matter for in this final preseason game?
1: Man, it's it's tough because, like I was saying, it's, it's going to be – like these third and fourth stringer guys and not even a lot of twos, I would imagine. And I just, I just don't know how much you can do in a a Saturday noon preseason game against the Arizona Cardinals to really swing the decision based on comparing that to the previous month's body of work, or even several months body of work dating back to OTAs and rookie minicamp and whatever, if that player has been here the whole time. But there are guys like you think about, maybe Brandon Powell and Jalen Rager play in that, that competition for punt returner slash wide receiver six continues. Maybe Tristan Jackson gets out there. And I think fair Thomas, like I'm just thinking kind of by position here. I think he's pretty securely on like the practice squad. I don't know if there's really any way for him to make the roster. He had another one where I look over today and he just absolutely shaked the Cardinals defensive back out of his boots. Like that, that guy can run routes, but just with this, wide receiver room we saw Nikhil harry get waved because he was hurt like i just don't think thayer thomas can crack that i i don't know like defensive backs defensive like all across the the roster if you're a guy who's not clearly getting cut and not clearly on the team you know it, it probably does matter and maybe it's not i'm gonna swing a decision because i imagine the vikings are already drawn up the 53 i mean obviously on, on the 53 like on the whiteboard Like you see in hard knocks with other teams like they they're already planning out who's going to be on this roster. Maybe you can you can swing it a little bit, but it also matters because if you put good tape out there in this game, then maybe some other team will notice and and give you a shot. So I think it, it matters to pretty much everybody that's going to be out there playing and is going to be kind of fighting for their football future.
0: Yeah, I think this is one of those, um, you're trying out for all 32 teams type of games for most people, yeah. but I am curious about, I, I I'd like to see at some point and who's playing quarterback might hurt this, but at some point, Tristan Jackson get a chance to really play in a game because we've talked, talked him up about his, uh, training camp a lot, but he got what like three targets. And, um, you know, that's about it for the preseason game. And one of them was, it was a weird drop. Cause you couldn't see on TV, how the timing was thrown off by him slipping on the route. But like, still, I, it just hasn't had a chance to go out there and, and do something that would say, put me on the roster. So is somebody going to kind of make enough plays to demand they're on the roster? How much anybody plays will probably tell us a lot. Are we going to see Ty Chandler? Cause that probably means someone else is coming in here. But then again, they don't exactly have a ton of running backs to really use, but 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 they can use the XFL guys and so forth. If he's out there playing, I don't know. That doesn't mean that to me, that means they don't feel that great about him, but there, there isn't really going to be a whole lot to take out of this preseason game. And even when it comes to the roster surprise cuts, everyone always wants to, know who you think could be the surprise cut? And I always say, well, then it won't be a surprise if I could figure it out. But um I got nothing for this roster. I mean, I don't even have candidates because I know that people are just asking for like, who could it be? But I got nothing. I mean, Jordan Hicks would have been the guy when you came into camp. Like, well, if he really falls off the face of the earth, it's not like they owe him a lot of money or something and whatever. But there was never a candidate to take his job. So I can't even figure out who anyone would be that would be a surprise because they're usually either older veterans that may have lost it or they are younger guys that you think they're going to give them longer Kane wongwu but that doesn't I don't know are you cutting one of the best kick returners in the league because he's injured uh, probably not I mean I, I I don't know I I I honestly cannot figure out who a surprise cut would be
1: Yeah none none jump out to me either I think Kane Wangwu. I think he probably ends up on pop or IR or something to start the year I just I mean, I, we, I don't know if we even know what this injury is. I think maybe lower body, but it's just been, been lingering forever. I mean, yeah, I, I, I couldn't pick out who was surprise cut. I agree with your point though, that it's, it's m- just as much about watching whoever's out there and seeing if anybody stands out or whatever, as it is just who plays. And that, that will be, be notable. I mean, Ty Chandler is a good example. Andrew Booth Jr. I mean, I imagine probably plays and that's somebody where they want to continue evaluating like, does Ivan Pace Jr. even play? As a, usually, you'd, you'd think this is going to be the time for the undrafted rookies. He, he's no longer in that in that camp. He is now in the competing to be a starter camp. I don't know if he plays at all. Maybe if they just want more reps in in this scheme, but I would guess no. So then you're talking about like Wilson Huber and a bunch of just other random linebackers playing, and yeah, it's it's going to be who plays, who doesn't play, which will be notable. Um, does can anybody stand out? And yeah, I don't know. It's tough to come up with like, Oh, get pumped for this noon preseason finale. I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch Jaron Hall and you, and you hope that he can, I I think, I thought he took small steps of progress from game one to game two, and you'd like to see that continue. But again, it's, it's tough to evaluate Jaron Hall in the context of he's playing behind a third string offensive line and he's throwing to third string wide receivers. And it's just, it, it tends to be sloppy football so it's hard to kind of figure out how well he's executing his part of all of that I don't know I I I'm sure all the the diehards and the sickos are going to be tuned into this and I'm I'm going to be there and in, in the press while you're going to be there like we're going to be watching but I just don't know how much it really matters
0: yeah. Uh, it's okay that I'll be, uh, recovering from, although, you know, I'm not a Vegas partier, but, uh, the change of, uh, it, the time change messes with me when I go from West coast to central, it feels like someone took something from me when I, right. When you like, uh, when you get out of here, you're like, Oh, two more hours, this is awesome. But then when you lose them on the way back, I, I hate that. Uh, so I'm going to be dealing with the time change and then waking up to go to a noon game. That's just weird. And then if the Cardinals coach calls a timeout in the fourth quarter, I may throw something on the field, like out of frustration, like Tennessee did. It's not going to be great. If you're going, uh, go early, see the warmups. Try to have fun with your kids. Otherwise, there's probably not going to be a whole lot to see. I am curious how Jaron Hall looks. But shout out to the Dorian Thompson Robinson people. Good for you guys. I can't tell you how many people were in the mentions and the comments being like, hey, what do you think of Dorian Thompson Robinson? And my answer was usually, well, I actually watched a lot of him. You know, Pac-12 After Dark is built for me. And I really enjoyed watching him play. But I thought, well, you know, fifth round, I don't even really have much to say. But he balled out in preseason and he won the number two job in Cleveland. So shout out to all you people who were uh, DTRs. Uh, I do want to circle back here. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, I don't think anything is left on the line. I think they've decided everything. And the most interesting story between now and cutdown day is, are there any trades? And what positions are they trying to fill? But even then, I think we figured that out by now. It would be depth running back. It might be a cornerback if they're not super thrilled with like Jawan Williams being the backup, it might be an offensive lineman. So that's kind of uh, where we're at. And then we'll see if there's any surprises, but I did want to circle back to this uh, digits and and digits. You're one of my favorite commenters. So, you said, you know, you're, you're buying uh, tickets and NFL merchandise and stuff, and the prices are astronomical, and then guys pull crap like this uh, before the season. You're talking about Hawkinson. It's a big fu to fans. I have never looked at it that way, and I don't think you'll ever convince me to look at it that way. First of all, TJ Hawkinson doesn't set those prices. Uh, TJ Hawkinson didn't sign the collective bargaining agreement. He doesn't set the salary cap. TJ Hawkinson has a very limited number of years in his life to maximize what his worth is. And his agent has the job to maximize what his client's worth is. If we start talking about what players make in all sports, let's go over look at the NBA where Cole Aldrich made like $10 million to be the 13th guy on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like none of it makes any sense in the terms of what reality is. And none of it is fair to fans. I 100% agree that it is not fair to charge the prices they do to where if you want to go to a football game, it better be a preseason game because you can't afford it. I don't I don't respect at all what they ask fans to pay for jerseys. I mean, if they print the logo on this Pepsi bottle, they will charge you 47 bucks for it. And that is BS. But that's not what T.J. Hawkinson did. T.J. Hawkinson is comparing his worth to his peers and that's what his agent's job is to do and he's only going to be able to do this jerry jones can own the dallas cowboys for a lifetime whereas tj Hawkinson could be a tight end for maybe eight to ten years and maximize what he's worth so that that's that's how the world works and also digits and to everybody else who made a similar comment i root for you to get paid more too by your boss i i think i mean everybody Uh, i i you know I mean, I don't have a boss, but uh, I, I always root for everybody who's doing the work to get as much as they're worth. So that's something that I, I just I don't look at. I look at players when you have a CBA and i and sorry, Will, to go on this rant. But when you have a CBA oh, yeah. that went out of its way, that went out of its way to restrict players from having any way to go against owners to try to use any tool to get more and and, and to like have any leverage at all to eliminate that it went out of its way to eliminate that. What are players supposed to do? I mean, if, if the, it eliminated essentially the holdout, then you have to take other routes. So I don't want to hold this against TJ Hawkinson at all. I mean, this is how negotiations work. And also I, it always drives me insane. How many people always want to like side against the very good player who it'll probably get worked out with anyway. So we will see how it ends up going, but I just, uh, <laughs> horse feathers. I look two hours younger. Yeah, that's I don't think that's how that works. Um, but anyway, it's just that's that's just the TJ Hawkinson has every right to get what he's worth compared to his peers in the NFL. And I hope it works out as well, um, because I, I've i been very much on the side that they should sign him. And I also think with Kwesi Adolfo he just doesn't work being like under pressure. You know, um, I, I, I mean, I think that he doesn't work on the timeline like Spielman did where it was like, gotta get it done, gotta get it out the first week of camp, gotta give them what they, they need because we're trying to win. It's a, just a different situation than it was before, where I think he can hold the line on a price more than maybe Spielman could in the past. So sorry, Will. That that that's the rant.
1: No, I, I like the rant. I don't have much to add on to it. I'm I'm with you. I I think with with the amount of the sheer amount of money that the owners make. I will always be on the on the side of the players maximizing their worth, and and you know the, the, these teams can just cut you or re- restructure your contract or do whatever at, at a moment's notice and kind of force you to be okay with that or or say that you're going to be gone. I, I think a Riley Reef as an example of that. So I, I'm with I'm I'm all for the players maximizing their their worth and and getting as much as they can. And selfishly, I would like to watch T.J. Hawkinson in this offense for years to come because I think he fits really well with Justin Jefferson, but if it doesn't work out between the two sides and he ends up somewhere else and the Vikings just do something else at tight end, then I think they can probably make that work too. So we'll see.
0: So uh, yeah, I see that, you know, T Kubler in the comments mentioning that, you know, he's not as good as some of the other top tight ends and talking about resetting the market, resetting the market is clearly leaked language for a reason. I So like, take just do not take that that seriously. You don't know. And I don't know what their agent is actually asking for. I think it's clear that there's a gap in the price. And, but I also think that TJ Hawkinson is a very good player. And so, to I wouldn't put him up there with George Kittle either. I think George Kittle's one of the best players of like the last ten years. Travis Kelsey's probably a top five tight end, maybe in history. He's he's been that great with Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, I mean, and those guys are underpaid probably as well. It's complicated, but you can see also how you know sometimes teams play the game with that reset the tight end market. Uh, you and know, don't, sort of don't just think
1: of it as don't just think of it as like T.J. Hawkinson wants and even if, even if he said this or not, like the idea of resetting the market don't evaluate it as he's not better than Travis Kelsey. So why he shouldn't do that? Like, first of all, Travis Kelsey's like 35 and TJ Hawkinson is 26 or 27 or whatever he is. Like these are very different situations. It's, it's rarely at one time the absolute best player who is the the highest paid because it's uh, the older guy who like got paid and then, is no longer the best player like Matt Ryan or whatever, or or Derek Carr, or like, these are guys who have at one point been the highest paid quarterback in NFL history or whatever it is. Like these, the market and all these things are just kind of um, they're strange and they're tied to your age and, and projecting your future performance and your past performance and all, all of these different things. So I, that's something that I've just seen in my mentions when like people are talking about like, Oh, he's not better than, Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, why should he get paid like that? And first of all, we don't know if, if that's actually what they're asking for. And second of all, like, think about the age and think about projecting and, and things like that. That's all I'll say.
0: I guess, yeah, and, and I, those are all great points. And I just think I'm trying to, like, caution against seeing the language of one report from one reporter and just thinking that we know everything about the negotiation. Like I just don't think that that's the case because we saw that word resetting the tight end market, which seems intentional. So that's just that's just my feeling on it, and we'll see how it plays out. The other thing is you have a franchise tag with Hawkinson next year, and so there is still leverage from the uh, teams' side, but. Um, there, I, I just think that there are more players going along this sort of route. And it's something that we're going to see as we go into the future. And it's something that the front office is going to have to work with in order to be successful. Um, all right, we'll predict the final score of Viking. No, I'm just kidding. Um, let's see, hold, hold on. Uh, Matt's got a I question. If, here. I wonder
1: if the Cardinals play, uh, Josh Dobbs, who they just traded for probably, probably not, but that's an interest. That's a fascinating team. This is entirely separate thing but oh, it like, could be since, since the start of training camp they just traded or not not since the start of joint practices this week they just traded away isaiah simmons and josh jones like this team is just all bold-faced tanking before the season even starts and now they're gonna maybe have josh dobbs be their tank commander or i mean it could be could still be colt mccoy i don't know but that is a team that wants caleb williams right there i'll tell you that
0: yeah. Uh, a, a nice little JV squad to practice against for a couple of days. Hey, should the Vikings have traded for Isaiah Simmons seventh round pick? I don't know. Maybe, right? He could have just hey, walked maybe. over to the locker room. He wouldn't have Josh even had to get out of play. Yeah. It's true. It's true. I, I just, I feel like, I feel like they should have got like, I don't know. Isaiah Simmons is probably terrible, but if there's somebody, they've been taking shots on all these bust draft picks. So like, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, just real quick. We'll fit this one in. Uh, could you talk more a bit about Quasey and how not vocal he is to fans and media? Seems like other GMs are a lot more vocal. So we'll left get we're left guessing. He has not done a ton. Oh, and then there's a second part of the question. Do you feel the Vikings have a vision right now? They seem like they're just playing season to season versus a three-year plan. So uh, two things, one, I would say in terms of media availabilities, it's on the lower side of the NFL. He has not talked more than Rick Spielman. And maybe even a tad less, but probably about the same. Um, So, but I do feel like if you look at the press conference, and this is from our perspective of going to everything, uh, the press conference before training camp, I thought he was very open about what competitive rebuilding is. And I, uh, I do feel like they have a very clear vision. And whether it's going to work, I don't know. But the vision was to try to win last year, do everything you can to win last year, and then remove a lot of the older parts and get try to get the cap right. Not lock yourself into a quarterback in the future. Get a new quarterback in 2024, and then try to do all the things that everybody does with a new quarterback in the draft, which is hit on that player, and then build around with the salary cap and the space that you get. So, I mean, I, I think that it has been kind of from the outset when he first said competitive rebuild exactly what we thought it was going to be. And and the overall vision I've been very much bought into the details, not always, but the overall vision I think is as right as you can be when your owners won't let you tank.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree. I think that that pretty, that sums it up pretty well Is they took over a a foundation or not really founded, but like a, a baseline of, of talent and. Uh, roster kind of pieces that were already there and they tried to win with it and, and they did win with it and they won 13 games in the afc north and they set this foundation and then they stripped some of the the aging parts of it down and, and they're moving forward and it it all hinges as we always talk about it all hinges on can you hit on the quarterback and if they can hit on the quarterback next year or in two years or or, or whenever and and get that guy and have the ultimate roster building cheat code of a really talented quarterback on a rookie contract then the possibilities are endless you can build up from there and they've given themselves the flexibility to do so by not locking in a, a whole lot of money if really any for 2025 and beyond so yeah we don't we don't know if it's going to work but i think it, it's it, you can see the vision of what Mensah wants to do and how he kind of has started this offseason in particular to build this thing in his own image in, in the way that he came in wanting to do it. Um, and now we'll see in the next year, two years, three years, four years, if it, if it kind of, if his plan works out.
0: Yeah. So, I, I mean, we could answer questions all day. I know you've got things to write. Also, my friend, Lindsey Brown is here. Uh, I don't know if you've ever met, did you ever meet Lindsay when you were here? Maybe you didn't cross over in the media. She worked with me at fifteen hundred ESPN, and she works in radio out here now, which uh, I'm really excited to hang out with her in a few minutes. But I just wanted to say that, I mean, there's, I mean, when it comes to this issue in particular, the 2022 draft, they have a vision, but the main issue is that they, they whiffed on the draft. Every single team better fire their GM. Then, I mean, I look, we have lots of questions. We don't have, I'm, mean, we don't have time to just like go into all this we questioned it at the outset. We had criticisms at the outset, but I don't know what team hasn't had a bad draft. The The, the Vikings before their 2017 season had a horrible draft in 2016. Like every draft is not going to go great. Probably a first impression. Jordan Addison and McKay Blackman have turned out as good as you could have asked for their first two picks. They're starting and they look good. So I don't know. I mean, that's drafting for you. Anyway, if, I think that there I mean, are some give it criticisms. Time, I would
1: say give give him more than give give Kwasi more than one draft class.
0: I just think we have to work on what we can criticize Kwasi and Mensah for and what we can't. And I think there are some people that have leaned very heavily on one thing that that draft, which I understand. But and I think you can
1: you on. can criticize. Yes, not not only the pick of Lewisine, but the decision to go mm-hmm. from twelve to thirty-two and pass up on. Kyle Hamilton and, and Jordan Davis and a bunch of other players. Like, I think you can criticize that. That's fair, but don't let that be the one thing that you look at in the entire body of work. Like, he brought in T.J. Hawkinson in a trade. He drafted Jordan Addison. Like, there's been there's been plenty of good as well from Kwesi. It's it's still been at this point like 18 months or whatever, 20 months since he took over. So let's let's see how this season plays out and let's give give him a little time to to cook and to kind of build this thing up.
0: I just think that people will never accept ever, ever just in all football that every team is about the same ability at drafting with only tiny little differences. And it's sometimes you hit and sometimes you don't. And if Lewis seen turned into a, a really good player by right now, they'd be like, what a good draft. They got two players in the secondary, but it hasn't worked out. So that's not to excuse the decisions. It's just to say that that's how drafting is, and I think we want to look at the bigger picture, not just one draft, to decide what we think of a general manager. So, anyway, Will, uh, you're the best. I this went longer than uh, expected, but great, great questions and great commentary from everybody in the comment section, which always uh, is great for the show. So, thanks, Will, and we will uh, we'll talk to you soon, man.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right. And uh, thank you all for watching. I forgot we were live just there. I was like, oh, all right, cool. And then we'll just chat after. Never mind, we're live. Okay, I'll see you. But this is my last show for today uh, from Vegas. And I will be here tomorrow doing some more shows as well. So we'll see you guys then. Keep your eye on the channel as well.